about today and I love music I love talking music I love talking about the music that I love oh man and, and Bob Ross we're gonna talk a little Bob Ross today too so I'm just super excited we're gonna talk a little bit about art how uh, we interpret it how we consume it and how we process like how do we how does it change over time that's that's what I want to touch on today and I think I think y'all are going to get something out of this, and I hope it helps you think and reflect on the different art, um, you know, different types of art that you consume that you appreciate, and uh, you know, shoot me some feedback. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you're thinking about when uh, when we're talking about this. Just shoot me a message at therealmrschick at gmail or scottstevenschick at gmail.com. Shoot me a message. Hit, hit me up on Twitter. Um, you know, let's let's talk about it, right? So, here we go. So, I was asked the other day, what is your favorite song of all time? I had to think about it. I had to think long and hard about it. I have many favorite songs. I have many songs that have impacted me in various ways, I have many songs that uh, bring up uh, certain emotions, that bring up certain um, times of my life, events, and boy, to, to boil it down to a favorite song, not an easy task, but I'll be honest, it was interesting that I was asked that question when I was asked because maybe a month ago, um, listening to uh, some music on uh, Facebook, and um, man, I'm pretty sure it was Derek Jones. If you aren't listening to Derek Jones, y'all are missing out, right? Make sure you check out Derek Jones live and uh, get to know this guy. He's he's a Hartford City guy and um, traveling all over the Midwest right now. And this guy is doing it. He has been doing it. He is seasoned. Man, he's incredible. But sorry, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent. He is not sponsoring this podcast. I would never ask him to do that. Uh, if he volunteered it, that's one thing, Derek. But he's not, and I wouldn't allow him to do that anyway. So um, it's, it's not a friends and family thing. We, we are going to support each other one way or another, right? Hey, so I was asked that question. What is your favorite song of all time? Thought about it. And like I said, it was interesting. It came up in that moment uh, because just recently I had heard like three notes, three guitar notes maybe on a, an acoustic guitar on Facebook. And it brought me back like time traveling, the DeLorean sped by I got caught up you know like a mailbag on an old rail train and it took me for a ride back to 1991 two ish and all I could hear in my head was a Chris Cornell song and it's a fairly obscure song it's not one that people are um, 
you know, gonna, gonna probably even remember, but it certainly was a song that hit me hard. But, um, you know, I, I have many favorite songs. Heck, I have favorite parts of songs. I have a favorite lyric. One, singular, a favorite lyric. Not so much about the lyric as about how it was emoted. Yep, I know, I know. Drum fills, bass fills. Man, there's just something about those Stone Temple Pilot bass fills that that hit, dude. Like, man, that guy's talented. Solos, guitar solos, you know, guitar notes, like, I have a singular, like, I can think of probably singular cymbal crashes. I can think of singular guitar notes that just, when I hear it, it takes me for a ride. And it's all kinds. I love music, all kinds of music. And this was a tough question. Like I said, I figured it out. And we're going to get to that. Can't wait to share that with you as we move through today's podcast. Now, there are different points in life that impact the way we interpret different things. Take different forms of art, you know, hit us in different ways at different times. And, um, you know, so like painting, let's, let's look at painting. Now, I've always been a Bob Ross fan. You guys... If you've followed me for very long, if you know me for a while, I absolutely love Bob Ross. It is, it's a guilty pleasure. I collect all the stupid socks and the, the puzzles, the energy drink. I've never tasted it. I will never, ever taste it. But I have it. I have a couple of cans of it, actually. The mints. The mints weren't actually bad. I got finger puppets. I, you know, I, I own a painting. I do own a Bob Ross uh, original painting. I also own a Bob Ross um, art teacher. So um, we had a group. It was the uh, the Fosters. They um, they came to Madison a couple years ago or a year ago or so, and we put on a Bob Ross experience there. It was a happy little experience. And one day you're going to learn to paint just like Bob Ross. We had about 40 people in there kids like we had some of my students from Madison they came in and they they were able to come in and, and uh, experience this for free um, man it was just a great time great day we had to overcome some stuff we'll we'll talk about that at some point I'm sure but we had a power outage right at the beginning of it are you kidding me I mean uh, all these people just paid to come learn to paint like Bob Ross and the power goes out for the first hour of this four hour uh, ordeal. It actually was kind of a blessing in disguise. It, it turned out to be a better experience in some weird way. Yeah. But I'm, I'm looking at the, um, the certified Bob Ross instructors art right now. It's in my studio. It's in my office. And as good as it is, the guy's incredible. He's, he's a great artist, but I go downstairs and I look at uh, the original Bob Ross piece, and it is just magical, guys. I don't know how else to explain it. You know, you watch it on TV, and you know, you know all your your aunts, you know, pray your grandmas that have uh, also tried to paint like maybe you have. But I'm telling you, 
that guy, he was special. Very special. And, you know, he, he tells us all that we can all do it. And, and we can. You know, when, when he says, now that's just baloney. He means it. Y'all can. It, it is a simple technique, but his mastery of it is next level. It is a different experience to check it out in person, to live with it, to uh, see it every day. Heck, we had um, we had Benzers frame it for us um, a couple years ago after I acquired this. My, it was my parents. They got it at an auction. And um, when my dad passed, it was one thing that one of the few things that I asked if uh, if I could have. It was special to me. Uh, I have a I have a love for Bob Ross, man. My my siblings all know it, and they were a little surprised I didn't ask for it right off the get. And uh, finally, I'm like crying. I'm like, can I have the Bob Ross? You know, because <laughs> I just I love it, right? But it had this ugly 1990s frame on it. I think it was a 1992, uh, 94 when he painted this, and uh, the frame on it was was wood. It was natural wood and had like a um, a uh, little uh, tweed or something or some sort of uh, banding around it. It was not beautiful by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, Jennifer wouldn't let me hang it in the in the uh, living room at our house in, in Hanover. Yeah, but I had Benzer uh, put a frame on it. And I just said, "Hey, just use your gut. Just you're the you're the guy. You're the you're the framer. Just frame it for me, man." And I went in there. We looked at a couple different ones. The first one he pulled out was this was this dark green, like a forest green, uh, kind of uh, um, oh, you know, the kind of chippy, rough looking, not barn wood, nothing like that. I mean, this was still a nice frame, but uh, just kind of distressed in a way. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I like that. And then I said, ah, let's look at a few more. We looked at a few more, and we just kept looking at different ones. And finally, I'm like, you know, man, that first one, it just it hits for some reason. And that's what we went with. Jennifer had no idea what, you know, that it was even happening. And, you know, I spent some decent money to get it framed professionally, and it's worth it, guys, I'm telling you right now. Get your artwork framed professionally. It makes a huge difference. But brought that thing home. That sucker has been in our living room since. Well, I'm way off topic here. Sorry, guys. There will be a Bob Ross episode, I promise. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so this student asked me my favorite song of all time. And I, I like I said, I had to think, what is interesting... Um, that acoustic song from that TikTok or Facebook video, whatever it was, it took me back 32-ish years, and I instantly connected with a song from my senior year of high school, and I went straight to my phone and YouTubed Chris Cornell Seasons to share that song with my wife. I said to her, how crazy is it that just a few notes that that you played for me took me straight back to this song? I had like my hand, my hair on my arms was standing up. I had cold chills. Like I was, man, it took me back. The DeLorean hit me, guys. I was there 
Doc Brown and I, Zoom in 88, made it happen. Took me right back to where I was when I first heard it. And I remember loving it then for how raw it was. And, and I, I was a Soundgarden fan. I love Chris Cornell, like, um, big fan. Uh, man, that Motorfinger just... It, that was a bomb. Like, that that stuff hit hard. I was a huge fan of grunge. I was never a big uh, hair metal guy. You know, wasn't into Crew and Poison and Bon Jovi. It just wasn't my... It just didn't hit me. But this one, this song, and, and the grunge movement, like, and, and heavy metal. But this song hit me different then. I love the stripped back nature of it. It's all acoustic. It showed courage on his part to toss away all the support and be free with his artistry. I appreciated it. I appreciated it then, but I appreciate it very similarly now. But the lyrical artistry is much more meaningful due to the experiences in my life and, and what I've been through, uh, the things that I've experienced. But then... I just I appreciated his courage to to get out front without the support of his full band, without you know the drums and and all the the you know the bass and the guitar and you know just the 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 grit of a metal band and a grunge band, and it was just him and and that acoustic guitar and it was just amazing. It, I'm throwing out, kind of nerding out on you here a little bit, but Eric Erickson's eighth and last stage of psychological development culminates in an integration of the individual's past, present, and future to confront the conflict between integrity and despair. The result can either, the result can be either despair or wisdom. When older adults pursue activities that are that are based in meaning, purpose, and honesty, they can attain the wisdom and integrity about which Erickson writes rather than experiencing longing and despair. I'm thinking about how that song hit me now. Just that wisdom, just how, man, how do you, how did he know that? It's, it amazes me how lyricists and, and, and authors can utilize language to move you. And I've always envied that. So when I think about that song, it's 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 really cool. I'm gonna read some lyrics here in a minute. Therapeutic Erickson also continues, therapeutic art experiences can supply meaning and purpose to the lives of older adults in supportive, non-threatening ways. Meaning, man, is that why Grandma connected? Is that why Grandma Fox connected with Bob so well? Like, that art, that physical, you know, she saw something in that. She experienced it. She tried it. It, it got her active, but she connected with it. You know, it was non-threatening. It's like she's going to take it to the, you know, try and sell it. You know, she's not trying to impress anybody. She is doing it because she enjoyed it. And um, just how how interesting uh, this this research I did with uh, Erickson, just that last stage of psychological development. 
um, and the integration of the individuals, individuals past, present, and future. Just so cool. But, so lyrics, uh, one of the lyrics from the song Seasons, he says, I'm lost behind the words I'll never find, and I'm left behind. As the seasons roll on by, man, I I encourage you download this song or just you know go stream it, go to YouTube, search Chris Cornell Seasons. Uh, it's from the single soundtrack as a movie, um, '90s movie, kind of a cult classic. Matt Dillon and um, just man. Allison Chains is in the movie. It's just a cool movie. Um, I, I haven't watched it since that time. I, I might have to just go watch it and see how it feels. Maybe we can connect back on that to, to talk about how that that movie feels at, at 49 um, after kids and life and everything else. But, oh, man. So, it just... Listen, young people, young people, and even people my age, I'm still a young guy. Time is on your side. I believe time is still on my side. I'm 49. I've been pursuing life in some form. And I say that like, what do you mean you've been pursuing life? I've been pursuing something. You know, I, I don't think we really know what we're pursuing at 15, 16, 17. Maybe some do, man. Like we talked about in the previous podcast. Maybe maybe some know. Like if you know, God bless you. Man, I so envy that in some way. But I have been pursuing life in some form, I would say since my mid-teens. Uh, I started realizing, you know, we have that self-realization, that, that moment in our in our adolescence, when when we separate from our um, the adults in our life, and we start finding out who we are as individuals, and you know everything is man, everything just revolves around us. I'm, I've spent the past nine years around adolescents um, who are emerging into their teens, and the Man, it's traumatizing in some way. I almost feel like I have a little bit of PTSD. But I don't want to say that because I feel like it's it's uh, inappropriate towards those who truly do. But I'm telling you, if, if you've been a middle school educator in some way, shape, or form uh, for any length of time, y'all know what I'm talking about right now. You understand it. But um, you know, watching this all happen, I think I was that kid. Like, I was... I was a very confused teenager who didn't have a clue what he was going to do. I was scared to death. And those lyrics from Chris Cornell, I'm lost and I'm behind and I'm watching my friends um, and they're figuring it out. And, you know, and I don't even know how to express myself, the words I'll never find. And then they go on to, to uh, you know, start pursuing their, their life's dreams. And I was left behind. I did not know what I wanted to do. I was not prepared to be a college student. I was a failure in a big way. 
and I was left behind. And it took me quite a while to figure that out. And as the seasons rolled on by, man, I can hear the song in my head. It's just a beautiful song. It's that the guy was a master. Like I said, time's on your side. Um, I'm 49. Time's still on my side, but um, being present in this life, be present in your life. I'm thoughtful in what I'm attempting to accomplish. I would encourage you to put thought into what you're doing. Don't just mindlessly pass the pass the days. You know, just come on, get out there, get after something. You know, even if you know that it's not the end game, that experience will carry you. It will carry you past and through some tough times that you're going to encounter as that, you know, that chaos of life uh, rolls through. And But seek meaning, just seeking out that meaning and attempting to accomplish, you know, just whatever's in front of you and overcome that. But through music, I began to form an identity. You know, I'm, I must have been eight or nine years old the first time I heard a song that really grabbed me. I mean, it just, I, I remember it. I remember exactly where I was, and I remember turning around and looking to see where the hell that came from. What was that? I was probably eight or nine years old, and this song just grabbed me. I was at my cousin Jason Jones's house. And his dad had this reel-to-reel, pioneer reel-to-reel. I remember just looking at it. I was, man, I love that thing. I wanted one so bad. Uh, little did I know that, you know, ah, yeah, it was still, it's still really cool. I actually have a reel-to-reel. I've never hooked it up or listened to anything through it. But his dad had this reel-to-reel. So Mike, he, he turned on the music really loud and on comes this song that was different than the, anything I'd heard at my house. I mean, my house was 50s rock music, the Big Bopper, Johnny Mathis, Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis. You know, the, the, the American Graffiti soundtrack. Still love the American Graffiti soundtrack. If anyone has that album out there, man, I am dying to have a copy of that album. That was my mom's favorite album. And I'm, I'm confident that thing was sold at auction. Uh, but I'm still looking for one. Um, I have yet to find it. But my mom would put it on and dance the day away. Man, she just danced all over the place. Like, I love watching my mom dance. And my dad, he was Johnny Cash and Hee Haw lover. He would put on, you know, just some old um, Slim Pickens and other guys. And But I was excited. And something switched in me when Mike turned on that reel-to-reel. And I loved what I was hearing. It was years later before I learned that I was listening to Eric Clapton, Cocaine. And I, no way I could have even comprehended what I was listening to at 8, 9. But when I was maybe 12 or so, I, you know, that's when I, I kind of had a realization of what I was listening to and what I was really into. And I began th- going through my sister's 45s. And I would listen to about 10 seconds and I would know if I liked it or not. And I'm going through these songs and, you know, the Rolling Stones are supposed to be uh, all this. The Beatles are supposed to be all this. I like the Beatles, Revolution. Uh, I liked Helter Skelter. Um, Helter Skelter might have been my favorite song on there. I thought that was interesting. 
Um, but I remember picking up the Led Zeppelin 45. Man, that thing had the red insides. I think it might have been through uh, Island, Casablanca. I can't remember now, but um, it was, hey, hey, what can I do? And I'd heard that on the radio before. I knew, I, I knew I'd heard it, like riding in the car with my, my siblings or something. Listen to maybe 10 seconds of it. I'm like, what is this garbage, man? Now, I I absolutely love that song. But then, I, what what was this? Was I hated it. But when I flipped it over, oh, man. So good. Man, the immigrant song. A B-side, guys. A B-side. Like, I'm sitting here beside myself thinking about the immigrant song being a B-side. That driving, ah, oh, man. Hard driving, incredible screaming, yes! And I still get excited. I'm sitting here thinking about it. I still get excited when I hear it today. I've sang it at karaoke. Man, that guy was just magical. I wanted to be Robert Plant. Maybe that's why, like, when Cornell comes about, you know, I just resonated with him as well. Just that, you know, just that voice of of a generation. And but man, Robert Plant. It's interesting to think about his uh, about him and to think um, how I could not be interested in "Hey Hey What Can I Do." It was a much more popular song. Heck, probably even is today. And a few, a few years later, a stripped-down acoustic song becomes my all-time favorite. Cornell and Plant, they are generational talents, that's for sure. And I absolutely adored what they did. Now I have a new appreciation for Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? It's a fun song. I love singing it. It has meaning. But then, you know, just sitting there flipping through those 45s, putting them on the, on the record player. Ah, it was the Immigrant Song, guys. Da, 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 da. Ah, I can't get it out of my head now. I can't even focus, guys, man. So I'm going to throw some more nerd out here at you. So neurological research shows that making art can improve cognitive function by producing both new neural pathways and thicker, stronger dendrites. Dendrites? That's like... No, these are the these are the things that um, make sure our connections in our brain stay long term. And you know, the art enhances cognitive reserve. It helps the brain's activity uh, actively compensate for pathology by using more efficient brain networks or alternative brain strategies. So, like the way we think, it can speed up how we. Um, how we think. It can speed up the filing process. It can speed up our retrieval of information, our reaction time, basically. And you know, I think this is really interesting. You know, making art or even viewing art causes the brain to continue to reshape, adapt, and restructure. It expands the potential to increase brain reserve capacity. Art makes us smarter please fund school art projects. Please fund our arts 
encourage your kids to get involved in arts. Man, my parents, like, they were so encouraging to me. Uh, they knew I loved music. I had a keyboard. I had a drum machine. I had drums at one time. I just didn't make the commitment to learn any of them. And I don't think I showed enough interest, like long-term, enough for my parents to be like, yeah, let's get him some lessons or something. And band, like in school band in fourth grade, they gave me a cornet. I was not playing a cornet. No disrespect towards cornet players. I have a new respect for it now. But 10-year-old Scott had zero interest in playing the cornet. I was going to be the drummer for the next police. Okay? Just telling you right now. I was going to be the drummer for the next police. I, I had to know somebody that was going to be named like, you know, Stingray or something. And we were going to be the next police. It was going to be big. Man, get into the arts. It's interesting that a student has asked me what my favorite song was. And it's, it's encouraged me to spend, you know, a half hour with you talking about it. You know, this, just this lifetime and the impact art has had on me from a very young age. You know, the intelligence that I feel it's helped me gain. Like, I, I, we'll, we're going to have to come back and revisit uh, more art talks. This has just made me realize we have got to talk about art more. But just these life experiences, those encounters with art... Man, think deep. What is your favorite song? And if you don't have a favorite song, what's your favorite piece of art? And it's not a piece of art. What is your favorite type? Of, like, what are you into? And think about how that's impacted your life. I mean, I'm going all the way back, you know, 40 years and thinking about one instance that hit me. I mean, hit me hard. I remember... I, I know where it was, and in my head, maybe if I talked to Mike, he would be like, that was not where I had that. It was not. A, it was a pioneer. In my head, that thing was a pioneer, reel, reel to reel. When you walked into their front door, you hung a right. That's where his stereo was, over in the corner. He put on that song, and he also played that day, um, uh, man, Queen, um, We Will Rock You. I remember that, uh, like, it was yesterday, and we're just, like, jamming out at the house. Just a bunch of boys, me, Jason, Ryan, I'm sure Derek probably was there, and Mike just rocking out at the house, listening to some good old rock and roll, man. Gosh. Man, we'll have to go listen to some now. Guys, thanks for being with me today. Thanks for giving me an opportunity to just go back and and share, you know, pieces of, of my life with you and getting to know each other. Thank you so much for supporting me. And, um, you know, shoot me a message. Hit me up at therealmrschick at gmail.com. Um, Twitter, therealmrschick. Instagram, realmrschick. Uh, ScottStevenschick at gmail. Message me. Let's connect. That's it. 
I'm out. Have a great day, everybody.